Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11th. 11 a.m. 60 seconds kids watch on the wall in the pub in the tab in the cars we remember and wonder Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we're talking to Pedro who is a 52-year-old gentleman who had his prostate out in October 2021. Now Pedro has a, had an open prostatectomy, which is unusual these days, and we haven't spoken to many guys about that. And the reason he had that was because he had a past history of an illness, which we'll get him to chat about, and he'll explain why. So um, I haven't met Pedro until today, and he happens to be one of Dr. Joe's patients, but unfortunately she's not here, so you just have to listen to boring old me on my own today. So welcome, Pedro. Thanks very much for having me. So just give us a little story about when you were diagnosed and, and what happened. Sure. Um, prior to that, with a family history of um, prostate cancer for my dad and my granddad, I um, since my late 40s, I was doing the PSA test fairly regularly, I think once a quarter with the GP, mm-hmm. my GP, and, uh, and the level started to go up slowly and bounced around a bit. I think it went up from low threes to sort of fours and then it came down for a little while. And then sort of by the early um, 2021, it had gone up to high fives or low sixes. And the GP said, oh, given your family history and because it's bouncing around a bit, the trend's not great, but it's not super high yet. We'll send you to a, um, a urologist, a specialist to check it out. And uh, so that was done. And um, Great GP. So many. Yeah. yeah excellent yeah, GP. Excellent so GP. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if we name names or whatever, but, no, um, but no, he was a great GP. He was proactive, which was good. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was terrific. And um, because of um, past history, uh, I think the next step after your PSA is they do a digital exam. Because of my um, intestinal history, they couldn't really feel the prostate with the digital exam. Mm-hmm. So they went to um, an MRI scan mm-hmm. 
and that uh, indicated a, a suspect area on the left-hand side of the prostate. Yeah. And they gave that, a, I think, a PIRAD score of four. Okay. Um, and then after that, on the basis of that, um, my urologist wanted to do a, um, a transperineal biopsy of the prostate, knock you out under the um, general anaesthetic. And, and that was done in June 21. And that came back, um, I think, with a confirmation diagnosis of um, prostate cancer with a score, a Gleason score of about eight to nine. So caught early, but quite, quite a high score, quite yeah, aggressive. That is a high score. And how did you feel when you got the diagnosis? Like how did, were you frightened or how did you feel? I think it was always like a woodpecker knocking away in the back of my mind that there was this family history of it. Um, and um, I know a fair bit about PSA testing and things because of my father's experience and um, albeit it was quite a few decades before. Um, so it was uh, a bit of a surprise, um, but not a complete shock, if I could put it that way. Yeah, yep. And um, and I, th- I suppose I always had confidence that because we were catching it early, uh, that there was a good, you know, there was a good pathway forwards or a good outcome. It wasn't necessarily a big scary bogeyman, even though it was serious. Yeah. Okay, good. And so then the next step was that you decided that you would have surgery. And because of your past history, tell us a little bit about that because you were thinking of having robotic, but that really wasn't the best option for you, which I think in, um, mm. listeners will be really interested to hear. Yes, yeah. Um, after the, um, um, uh, the the pathology or the, the uh, transperineal biopsy, we, we did a PET scan as well yep. just to make sure any other areas weren't lighting up and that sort of reconfirmed everything, which was good to have a known quantity. Yeah. Uh, we knew it was there in the left-hand side of the prostate, but it wasn't like hadn't lit up spots elsewhere. So mm-hmm. that was that was a sort of some positive news. Um, and yes, so I was with um, the the, um, the urology, the specialist, and uh, he happened to um, see me several times and we talked about different options. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, one of those obviously was the Da Vinci robot, which is, I think, possibly the current, you know, go-to for surgery. Yeah, definitely. And um, from what I could learn and, and in speaking and doing some of my own research and obviously following his good guidance was that, it, that the Da Vinci robot's good for a sort of a inside a certain box. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're sort of a bit of a candidate that's outside that square or that box, it, it may not be the strongest approach. Um, and we looked at a couple of other things too. Uh, just by the by, we looked at um, the cyber knife. Yes. Um, yep. Which I believe is getting some amazing results. And they that are, yeah. Very targeted radiotherapy. But um, we were concerned that the cyber knife wouldn't work in my case because of that previous history of bowel surgery. It might damage the bowel too much. So that wasn't a, a, an option. We also looked into Sydney into the nano knife, oh, yeah. which is where they put that electro, they basically electrocute your prostate and they can do it again and again and again, apparently what well, several times anyway, if that's not successful. But again, perhaps felt that that was a bit too um, experimental or a bit too cutting edge, pardon the pun. <laughs> um, so we went back to perhaps the option of the, um, the old school open prostatectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you mind if I just share with the audience yeah. about your history? So about your history, yes. Pedro? Yeah. 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 So Pedro had ulcerative colitis and if anyone doesn't know what that is, have a look, but it's quite an inflamed bowel. And when you were back in the nineties, wasn't it? You mm. had your you had your total large bowel removed yes. and then you had um, your small bowel reconstructed. So you must have had really quite severe ulcerative colitis. Yes, yes. It sort of came out of the blue again. It's not really necessarily a younger person's disease, but it sort of came on very rapidly for some unknown reason and it needed to be dealt with quite rapidly. It wasn't able to be medicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once the surgeries were done, it resolved the issue quite well. Um, but it did leave um, scarring and multiple surgeries through the front 
of yeah. your abdomen and also just, um, yeah, it meant that there was some um, potential scarring and, and complications around the area of the prostate. Yeah, so I'm definitely not a surgeon. Just I know you all know that. Anyone new listening, mm. I'm not saying I'm a surgeon, but mm. from my understanding that you can have quite a lot of internal adhesions and mm. scarring from that and mm. that would complicate the issue if you're trying to use the robot and yes. that's why they – so it does make sense that – Yes. Doing an open one would work for you. Yes. And you also said that you contacted some specialists in America as well? Uh, yes, overseas. So I went back to my um, – I, I happened to have these many of these previous bowel surgeries in England because I was on a working holiday over there. So I went back and contacted the press professor that did those bowel surgeries and he said, look, I'm retired but I'll, and I don't want to give you, you know, my two bobs worth. I'll put you in touch with um, – some other colleagues that I know, so I spoke to, ended up speaking, which was very kind of him to organise, ended up having a, a face-to-face Skype sort of um, meeting with the, the head of um, urology at Oxford University. Wow. And I sort of tried able to triangulate what I was being told in Perth, just, just for my own satisfaction. I also spoke to my now retired bowel surgeon in Perth that did some tidy up work for me. And, um, and then I also spoke to my current gastroenterologist. And although they're not um, urologists, obviously, you know, they were able to give me um, some guidance and some comfort that the team that I had in Perth were first rate and that the, the information that I received from sort of these various sources gave me comfort to know that the open um, prostatectomy path was the correct one for me yeah, and also that the team that I had looking after me in Perth was top notch as it's well. It's great, I think, to know that, you know, they agreed with that idea that mm. you should have open because that's, you know, we're all kind of encouraging people to have robotic now. So that's fantastic yes. That, yes. that they all, yeah. like, you know, thought the same thing there. Absolutely. In, in layperson's terms, the sort of the robot was good within a very, you know, narrow sort of parameter. But in some ways, the old school approach of actually the surgeon having their hands in there, in your body and being able to feel if there was scarring or adhesions um, was, was considered to be just better to have that feel for the actual, if anything, sort of came out of left field. Mm, no, that's that great. Feel. So I'm assuming you saw Dr. Joe about continence before the surgery? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And, and, and there was a good, um, I felt immediately at ease with Dr. Joe and with her program and the results and the explanation of what was sort of going to happen before and afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that she had a great, great rapport with the, with the surgeons and the urologists as well. And, and, and also other, you know, sexual um, rehabilitation or sexual health as well or sexual counselling yeah. afterwards. Because mm-hmm. um, sort of by the by in my journey with the surgery, I, I passed from one specialist across to the uh, to another specialist in the same uh, practice but or in, in the same offices but one was a, a robot urology specialist and one was a, an open yeah, great. specialist. And so, I mean, that's a really good example of, you know, different people in health working collaboratively to figure out the best option for, for you as a person. Yes, you know? yes. And yeah. that's that, I think that's very much, you know, with uh, Dr. Joe and the whole team, they were always constantly thanking them about how um, – you know, um, how good their bedside manner was or how much attention to detail they had. Great. And, you know, that you weren't a number in the system that they really did care about you. Yeah. Well, it was really, um, you know, very gratifying and very, um, you know, touching actually. Excellent. That's good. So then you had your surgery in October and then how did you go? Like what was your recovery like? Um, the recovery was good. Um, um, probably a, a bit ahead of, of, of um, the milestones. You're never quite sure. Um when I was being prepped for surgery, um, I think they prepped me for potentially a six or seven hour operation yep. if there was any injuries to the bowel. And therefore, um, there was a lot of sort of um, 
as met, I've had quite a few surgeries, but I've never seen so many people in the OT in the <laughs> operating theatre, and I've never been awake in the operating theatre for so long uh, because they were putting in a lot of extra lines and things and getting sure. stuff ready for the well, on the anaesthetic side, so that the team and the and the and the sort of care that I that I got in the in the hospital, which was a public hospital system, was absolutely first rate. Mm. Um, and uh, they even the whole theatre was had a double booking, and I was the only person on the list for that whole day. Right. So I had teams, and it was like the United Nations as well. <laughs> my my lead um, uh, surgeon was Russian Australian. Yeah. And his two IC I think was Scandinavian, <laughs> and then on the bow team was a whole separate team which <laughs> yeah. wasn't needed to be called on the end. Their um, lead chap. A gentleman was um, Chinese Australian, and his two IC was French. Right. And then there was a stoma nurse in there. I was marked up for a stoma just in case I needed one, which I didn't in the end. Which yeah. Was fortunate. Okay. So, so the surgery, I think, apparently I was told that they were able to do nerve sparing on the right hand side, which was not a guarantee because they weren't sure. And instead of having a six hour operation, the prostate peeled straight off the bowel, and it was only sort of a three, only <laughs> still a serious operation, but only a three or a three and a half hour. Yeah. And so I was able to you know, wake up without. Uh, an ileostomy, which was a very big win to which start with. probably was really scary it hey was, was, a, was a bit confronting yeah especially when they're marking you up and they mark sort of both sides in case you want to yeah have an, i've had temporary ileostomies before well you know temporary for up to about nine months but mm. um yeah it, it is what it is but the main thing is to be you know that went really really well which was fantastic there was a lot of planning done mm-hmm. and then um the sort of thought we might be in hospital up to sort of seven days but i think after four or five days i was able to come out um, there were a few little stories after that but um i suppose it's a balance too you don't want to be in hospital for too long no um and they want to get you up and moving um but that you know the management and the planning and the outcome was really good subsequent to that um i felt a bit off color because you, you're dealing with a fairly major cut too down your front yeah exactly and um i had um two 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 cases of infection actually two cases of infection so um which probably isn't that surprising considering no, you had bowel surgery and, and as that's well. that's right, yeah. yes. So the first one, it just didn't feel well after a couple of, I think it was 10 days and I went back and um, went back into, um, because you, you sort of treated in the public system. I did go into private hospital ED, but they said, no, we really want you to go back to tertiary mm. public because there were all your, you know, that's where you were treated and that's the mm. best place for you. So I went back in actually and then ended up in a bit longer than the first stint. I was hospitalised for about, seven or eight days, yep. they got the infection c- under control and then came out again. And then um, I had another bout um, just towards sort of November, December, where the scar was almost fully healed. Mm-hmm. Um, but just had another <coughs> another bout, whoops, that, um, yeah, where, um, and in the end I needed, um, I was able to not be hospitalised that time, but I was just, um, would visit the silver chain every day to get dressings done and then eventually it, the frequency dropped down and the, and um, it was all resolved. Great. And it just took its time. So, again, a little bit of um, a sideways step, but n- considering the, um, you know, everything that went on, uh, the small um, small side issues really, no, no biggies. And I think um, we spoke to a guy a few weeks ago actually who had an ileostomy. So that's, I think, um, hopefully our listeners have listened to that one as well so they'll know about what that's all about. So then tell, what did you, what was your urine continence like after the surgery? Um. The, the incontinence, yeah, it, um, uh, I suppose as expected, as I was sort of um, uh, fore, forewarned with the physiotherapy team and Joe, and, um, you know, it becomes quite a distant memory, but I, I remember sort of going on to the, I think it was the level three heavier pads for a certain time, and then down to the twos, and then down to the small ones. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think um, 
by um, sort of December, January, um, the continence was pretty good and I was able to not wear a pad at night. I think, um, you know, by, by late last year, early this year, was down to not needing a pad at night. Great. Um, which was good and now sort of as we sit here today, yeah, now probably just have to be careful of getting up and down and out of chairs and coughing and sneezing. And otherwise you... I don't, you I don't wear a, a, a pad normally during the course of the day at the moment. Wow. Um, just maybe for sport or something, I might wear a, a thin wonder if I'm going to go out. Great. They say that it can be related to, um, you know, alcohol consumption <laughs> as well. I'm not a big beer drinker, but some people find wine, I think, get, get, gets them a bit vulnerable. So yeah. um, if you're going out maybe somewhere for a road trip or somewhere long distance and you might not be near a loo, might just, you know, keep a pad in your backpack or in your back pocket or in the car glove box or something. But generally speaking, um, you know, not needing to, to wear a pad. So that w- was a really appreciative of that pathway yeah, I suppose or really fantastic. appreciative of that um of that of that sort of recovery and I don't know that it's you know it seems as from a layperson's point of view I'm not sure if it's scientific or medical or not but it mm. seems this uh, if you've had um you know reasonable continence um and some nerve sparing then hopefully the um, you know, the signs would be good for the future for sexual function as exactly. well. Exactly. So that, tell us about that. You're only young. You're like 52. So I'm assuming that this is important. And I know your partner has been unwell in this time as well. So perhaps yes. sexual function wasn't such a big deal for you. But yeah. what ha- – and I, I, I know because we were speaking before we went um, to record the podcast, we were saying that you so far haven't really done any rehab other than take a daily dose of Tadadafil. Yes. Yep. And so – Tell us about that. You've been so after the surgery, you started taking the daily dose of Tadadafil. How long after? Um, within, I think, within um, a few weeks. Great. After the surgery, yep. Yep. Um, I think it was on the basis of sort of keeping blood flow going. Mm. Um, and um, it's not surprising at all that you haven't really thought about sexual function before because you had all of this time of dealing with wound infections. Yes, and, that's right. You know, it's quite complicated. Yep. My so partner had a few, and had a few. Um, she'd finished all of her cancer treatment in 2021, but she had a few um, sort of illnesses, and um, and also spent a bit of time away overseas seeing her family. Mm-hmm. So, sort of come coming sort of back now into, I suppose since about April May, we've been more interesting in rekindling the fires, if you will. Great, and, <laughs> and so uh, I've already some more interested in. I'm I'm <laughs> setting you up for an appointment yeah. with Kendall as we speak. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I think I think mm. that's that's important. I wasn't. Um, it's, and it's easy, men don't probably tend to talk about this stuff too much and some other chaps that I've spoken to, um, you know, probably may have been a little bit older and may have made a bit of a joke about it or put on a brave face that they're not, you know, it's not such a big deal for them. But I think I think for many men or most men it probably is a, it is important, um, especially if you and your partner are still interested, um, you know, in intimacy and or that form of intimacy. Mm. And um, so now seems to be about the right time there. The podcast today is probably coming at a good time to um, meet all of you great people and um, to um, uh, organise more on the, the rehabilitation side. So have you at any s- – oh, so first of all, tell me what happens when you get aroused now with your erection. What Does anything happen or – Well, it takes – it takes a, 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 it takes a, a, a long uh, – for, for me personally, it takes a little longer to get aroused. Sure. I, I suppose – and it seems to be um, maybe this is a passing phase or maybe this is the new normal, but it – Seems to be, and um, men are already quite visual creatures. But you know, you used to be able to cuddle your wife and 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 have a thought, and yes. then you know, raise um, have an erection. And now, um, seems to n- 
be needing more visual stimulation or visual, um, you know, paint more of a visual picture. Yeah, of course. I hear that quite often yeah, actually. So yeah, so it seems to be even more visual. Um, Just need more uh, arousal than more, before. More arousal and more, um, yeah, more, probably more stimulation. Yeah, I think I had a guy tell me the other day that a hot-looking bird, these are his words, would walk down the street and I'd feel a movement and now they'd need to be naked for me to get the same movement. Yeah, possibly a good (laughs) analogy, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and whether that's an initial or whether that's the new, yeah, that's the new pattern, not quite sure yet. Yeah. And what? Tell. what um, and have you tried Viagra? Like any? I know you're taking a daily dose, but have you yes. tried any bigger doses of anything? Uh, yes, I have tried. Um, obviously, you don't do that at the same time as the other stuff, but I've tried some Viagra. Um, mm-hmm. I've tried um, separately to that uh, when not on Viagra, a larger dose of Cialis. Or yep. Yeah, and, and did it any better result? Um, it's hard to gauge. I think it's hard mm-hmm. to gauge. It seemed to be. Um, Seem to be um, much of a much. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now tell me what you told me before about you bought a pump, but you don't like it, and you bought a Vacurex, so you bought a really good quality pump. So that's yep. fantastic. And this yep. is kind of gives the idea to me that like just I think lots of people do this. They'll buy something online, but then they don't get the instructions Great of instruction. and of how to use it, and yes. also why. Yes. So tell us what you I feel when you use it. I knew there was two pathways because mm. the people there having to buy it online direct from that source, mm. uh, the people there were, were very good. They actually asked why I purchased it oh, and good. asked for some history, yep. obviously for their data. Great. And that also um, the instructions that come with the, the pump are quite tiny, as in the print's quite tiny, but they send you online as a PDF the actual manual. Oh, and good. when you read that, and most blokes are shocking at reading instructions because <laughs> they think they'll figure it out or that they watched Austin Powers' movie or something. Um <laughs> But um, th- I could see clearly there was two different streams. There was a rehabilitative, yep. a rehabilitative function, and a, and a, and then a use for the pump for sex. Yes. And so, but I sort of went straight for the pump for sex part, and then um, and sort of and then didn't have or haven't yet tried the rehabilitative side, and it's probably. Probably so better to do one before the other. So tell me, when you tried it for sex, you, you told me that you don't like it. So wh- how do you feel? You said you felt a certain way when we were chatting. Uh, I just felt it was very, it sort of took all the romance out of it. And you and, and I think, you know, to be fair to the pump, it's, it's surprisingly A, how fast it works. As in yeah, it's good. It really works fast. And B, you know, you've got to be, I think, you know, ex- practice with it and get the ring sizes right and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And I sort of went straight for the, you know, trying to use it for sex and probably didn't, you know, get familiar enough with it and didn't follow the instructions. So, but it just to me, it just felt, and I'm a bit of a clean freak too. So like, it just felt, um, um, I don't know, it's going to be a sound like a very strange analogy, but it felt like when you buy one of those flash stainless steel barbecues yeah. and you spend 30 minutes cooking and three hours cleaning it yes, and all this pump and I saw all the things and I thought, well, I'm, there's no way I'm going to use this without pulling it apart and cleaning it all the time. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it all just felt like too much bother. Mm-hmm. And it like, I tried the ring and then it put it all in and did it upstairs in the bathroom because I felt I didn't, I probably was embarrassed to try and use it in front of my wife or just didn't feel like it was very, it didn't fit with the foreplay. No. It was just all a bit too it is. It's literally a, mechanical. Yeah, it's not that um, great having a milkshake maker in yeah, your bedroom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it just sort of didn't, didn't sort of, it just sort of ruined the romance of the moment. Um, and then I don't think I got the ring size right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think what was, I think the erection that was formed was not maintained. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, but it was a good erection that was formed. But so I just think to be, to be, f- to be fair to vacuum erect or to the the penis pumps probably pilot error. 
yeah. probably need to use <laughs> it maybe and understand it better and use it more on the rehabilitative side. Sure. And then and then give it a go. So what what we're going to do is I'm going to book you an appointment with Kendall and she's going to teach you how to do it properly. Yeah. And then I'd be great to get you back like in the new year. Yeah. And we'll talk to you about how that. If your attitude changed, and I think there's a lot of men out there that would agree with you that pumps feel a bit freaky. Yeah. And, um, but I also have a lot of patients who have done really well with them. So, and I think most importantly is the rehab, because when we were talking earlier, I asked you if you felt like you'd had shrinkage and and what, what do you feel like's happening down there? Because you haven't done any rehab yet for nine months. Um, yeah, I think like, I think there is sort of shrinkage and, um. Um, whether that's just to do with the removal of the prostate, I suppose. There's, I'm not sure exactly why it happens, but um, yeah, it'd be good to understand more about it and um, whether that's able to be reversed. And you said as well that you feel like you have to, like he's jumping back inside your body or something. Well, like sometimes it's just hard to actually have a wee because everything's sort of folded in on itself and you exactly. go to have a wee and it didn't have that problem before. Mm. And then before you realise it, you're sort of peeing all over the shop. Yeah. Which is <laughs> yeah. Which can't I get think a good stream, which is probably blokes have trouble with at the best of times. I was going to say, I don't want to be yeah. sexist, but I have had a son and two yeah. husbands yeah. and uh, they don't seem to have much aim anyway. No, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that, that's just a practical consideration. So, um, yeah, yeah, it'd be good to, um, understand more about that and to, yeah, be able, be able to learn. I suppose it's like anything, all the tools that you've got in your kit bag be good to know what the strengths and weaknesses of them all are. Of course, and then, yeah. And then learn how to use them properly as well. Excellent. So um, I'm going to be very, very excited to talk to you again after Kendall's spoken to you and then like yeah. have a follow-up. This is yeah. great for us. Yeah. Not not so great for you, but great for yeah. us. You no, feel that, like, do you feel like fine. a guinea pig now? I don't, no, I don't <laughs> mind at all because it's, it's good to be frank about all of this and, and talk mm-hmm. about it. And, um, and I've heard of injections as well. I don't know, you know, whether that's um, appropriate or not or later on, but I suppose... It was, uh, as my understanding of it was that it was sort of like a graduation. You try these other options first and then, you know, maybe injections is an option as well. But um, we're going to, Kendall we're will teach you all, all about that. Yeah. Now, one thing, so with the shrinkage though, I think we should address that. So the reason that you have had shrinkage over time is you're right. The fact that the prostate has been removed, there's now a bigger void there. So your penis can kind of pop back in. Pop you know how in. normally you go yes. for a swim at the beach and yes. it does it anyway. And yeah, now there's a right. bigger void. So your bladder does move down into that void a bit, but there's still a bigger void. Yeah. So your penis will hide from you. And the other thing is that your penis is full of smooth muscle. All muscles need to be exercised. Yes. And you haven't been exercising them. And yep. before the surgery, it was going up and down every time you're in REM sleep. So yes. 20 to 30 times a week. So it was doing it anyway. Yes. So anyone who's had a consult with me will know that I always say, God is clearly a man because the penis and the clitoris are the only parts of the human body that exercise themselves. Yeah. <laughs> unless you have um, some of these issues. And so yours hasn't been. So it's just the muscle has yep. like started to waste a little bit. Yep. But once you start exercising it again, yep. it'll you'll I'll get him back. I was told to, um, you know, stimulate it twice a week or mm. to, to masturbate twice a week and to watch something. Great. So I have been doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it probably doesn't hurt, but um, I'm sure there's a more scientific application yes. that can be done. The other problem I have with that idea is it's great in theory because you get engorgement mm. in your penis, but the problem then is, is it becomes homework. Yeah. You know, I, I think we it. have to be really careful to not confuse, like using a pump, pumping it up and letting it down is mm. like lifting a weight with your arm. Mm. When you're told go home and masturbate two times a week or three times a week or your partner has to do it or whatever, it be- it turns your romantic life into a chore yeah. and we don't want to do that. No. So I think 
separating those two things is really important. And I know when I first started doing this job like seven years ago, I used to say to guys if they could get a semi-erection, I'd just play with it a few times a week. And it wasn't until they started coming back and saying, I'm actually sick of it. I never thought I'd say this. but And Mm. I think – and so now I have a complete different attitude. I think separate the two. Use something mechanical to give you exercise and when you feel like stimulating it for fun, great, you get a day off the pump. Yeah, well, that that seems to make a lot of common sense or sense, and um, I think yeah, there's there's that's um, understanding. There's two yeah, different sides to it, isn't there? There's yeah. the rehabilitation side, and then there's the you know the more fun side. So, what about your PSA? How's that been in the last nine months? Yeah, zero point zero zero on Great. all the counts. And that's fantastic. I'm sort of now on a uh, probably don't need to be. Um, Checked again till the end of the year, uh, both as a PSA and for a um, and for a face to face consult. Excellent. And does life feel back to normal for you now? Uh, yeah, in, in many in many in many areas, um, perhaps apart from the sexual intimacy, mm-hmm. um, and I still have kisses and cuddles and things. But yeah, in in, in many respects, yes. Great. Yeah. That's good. And is there anything else, Pedro, that you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye? Um, I think just for um. Guys, gentlemen out there, that there's a lot of um, resources that you can tap into if you do get a diagnosis and it's very much worthwhile even if men aren't great sometimes talking about these subjects or these in such detail. It's very much take worth taking advantage of those resources. So much of it's available online literature but also um, speaking to the your doctor's team and your support team because mm. there's so much out there and to other and to other patients and don't be afraid to, you know, go to your medical professional team with a list of questions and to, you know, ask even for other opinions. Mm. And so you can get the, um, you can get, you know, satisfy yourself that you can weigh up all the facts and make the best decision for yourself in consultation with. And uh, because it's not just all about prostatectomies, it might be about active management Mm. or, uh, you know, supervision or, um, and, and many other Amazing radiotherapy theories now too, as well as yeah, drug exactly. therapy. So there's so much more in the in the kit bag, and um, I'm also just a big believer in um, positivity, mental positivity. If you set your mind, the sort of body will follow, and you can get the mm. good results. Easy to say that, you know, if you've <laughs> if you've got a good outcome. But I think being mentally positive, um, you know, at my very rudimentary understanding of cancer is it's just the wrong cells growing in the wrong spot sort of at the wrong time. That's a doesn't perfect have to explanation. doesn't be a big bogey man mm. or bogey person, <laughs> bogey woman. Yeah. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it really, um, you know, if you can get onto it early and don't avoid those digital checks, um, you know, we make fun of them or whatever, but don't avoid the PSA, don't avoid the digital checks because the digital exam, talking to your doc or your medical professional, because if you get onto it early, it really opens up the pipe of so many different treatment options. No, I, I think that's great. So thank you so much, Pedro, for coming in and chatting to us today. We really appreciate it. And there are a lot of great resources out there. There's the PCFA website. There's um, the podcast because we've spoken to, I think we're up to episode, you'll be like episode 98. Um, you're nearly the magic 100. You're nearly the magic 100. I know. I have to figure out what on earth we're going to talk about at magic 100. That's right. Um, help with, help good for the average. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I will look forward definitely to speaking to you hopefully in another six months time and finding out how we go that we can finally tick off number three, which is sexual function. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Can't wait. Look forward to it. And um, yeah, thanks so much for, for the opportunity to come along and have a chat. Mm. It was very... Uh, a lot of fun, not scary <laughs> at all. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, yeah, guys and, and the 
and and ladies take advantage of the the podcast as well and have a have a tune in and have a listen and we're all on a learning journey fantastic thank you so much see you later cheers bye Tell you about a boy who lives inside me. It's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Just a mystery to me I've got a boy of my own Fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man.